You're listening to the Road to Wisdom podcast, weaving stories told by wonderful minds about all things motherhood, health, intimacy, politics, nature, and everything in between. Join us on an adventure discovering unique experiences that we can learn from to enhance the ways in which we live. We are your hosts, Chloe and Kishia. Today, everyone, I am just beyond honoured to be introducing you all to John Gray. I'm sure many of you have heard of him. He is the author of um, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus and Beyond Venus and Mars um, and also Mars and Venus in the bedroom. Pardon? Many other books. Many other books. An author, very, very popular author. Um, John has much lived experience in... uh, psychology and sex therapy which just sings volumes and has lasted the ages um john i actually (laughs) i found your work when me and my husband were going through a really tough time and then i was actually browsing my late father's um library of books he was big into health and self self self-help and stumbled across your book there. <laughs> and when I was reading it, I realised how many of these things he'd put into practice with my mum. And I feel like that was such a good foundational point for me in my relationships. Um, it was a really beautiful thing to grow up with, that kind of environment. And I realised that's exactly what I want to give my kids. So welcome. <laughs> welcome onto the show today. Um, we're really excited well- to have you. <laughs> Well, I'm really happy to talk to two amazing women who are having their, who are pregnant with their fifth babies, you know, hooray to you, the world <laughs> is a better place for you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Um, well, yeah, we would love to get started on, I mean, coming out of about eight years or not even coming out of it. We're still in it, deep in it, <laughs> eight years of pregnancy and postpartum um, yes. back to back. And I mean, both of us have had such, we've wanted to keep a really good flame and good, strong connection with our husbands, um, which is really difficult to do when you're pregnant. But yeah, yeah, and postpartum um, and many little children running around. But there are just so many things that you have coined in your books, which are fantastic and help. They help so much. So I'd love to start, I guess, with the differences between men and women hormonally um and I guess how this affects our relationships in general and then how we can put this into place to help for our husbands to help support us and us our husbands um through yeah these big life changes Mm. so what I've seen today there's so much confusion about gender today and even when I started talking about male and female differences back uh 30 years ago there was still confusion. Now, if you went back 50 years, everybody would know that men and women are different, but they didn't have a a detailed understanding of how those differences apply for creating romance. Uh, They didn't have a way of understanding our differences that elevated our partners. You know, men would think, oh, women are just overreacting, and women would think, oh, men, they're insensitive. 
It was kind of like a put down, even as simple as men are smarter than women, which is absurd. You know, right now, today, uh, two women graduate from college compared to one, <laughs> one man. Uh, women are very, very smart. So there's no gender difference when it comes to uh, intellect as well as um, capabilities. However, where the gender differences show up is in terms of our hormones. Uh, you know, to make a baby, which you are two women are doing, <laughs> making a baby. We're really good you, at it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Number five is amazing. You, you need a whole set of hormones in order to do that. For women, uh, in order to get pregnant, their estrogen levels need to go to a very high level. We'll call it a peak, peak level. Uh, and there's certain behaviors that stimulate estrogen to go to a peak level. Uh, so that's estrogen. Now, if you just compare a woman who's not ovulating, not at a peak level, just her kind of average estrogen level when she's happy, it's uh, 10 times higher than a man's. So if you went and got your estrogen hormones tested, you just look at the little scale there. It's right there on Google. And you'll see that the, the amount of estrogen that you're needing to make for well-being is 10 times higher than the amount of energy, amount of estrogen a man needs to make. At, and then a simple Google search can show everybody that for testosterone, a man's uh, testosterone levels, when he has normal testosterone levels, they're going to be 10 to 20 times higher than a woman's. Okay, so we need to make more testosterone. And then you can look and say that when a, when a man is depressed, his testosterone levels will be low. Now, what's not understood that today, which is quite remarkable, is that when a man is angry, often people associate that with high testosterone, but actually it's low testosterone. When we talk about fight or flight, you know, it's a stress reaction in our body. Flight is fear and fight is anger. So when cortisol levels are rising, men's testosterone levels are actually lower. And we know that to be the case is that when men are stressed, it's because they they're missing a feeling of confidence that I'm a can-do guy. So think about the fireman uh, who, who knows how to put out the fire. He, he doesn't have fear in his body at that time. You think about the race car driver who's risking his life, but he'll feel nothing. Uh, you, you, this is the mountain climber. Uh, you know, they're crawling up the side of the wall. They do that. Why do they do that? Because their body produces so much adrenaline that they stop feeling anything at all. No fears, no worries, you're, you're done. Now, I can experience that simply by driving my car a little faster than normal. Adrenaline gets produced, and now suddenly any worries go away. I'm just focused on driving and not getting a ticket. Okay, that's it. <laughs> but it's a very calming thing for men. And that's because when you're facing risk and danger and you have confidence, your testosterone goes up. We have research showing that when a man's football team wins, his testosterone levels go up. When his team loses, his testosterone goes down. Clearly, he's not very happy. So the idea that I'm proposing to both men and women is to understand when women can communicate and men in a certain way, it will raise his testosterone. And one of my favorite phrases for how to communicate is be vulnerable. Whenever a woman is being vulnerable, a man's testosterone will come up if he's confident and he can deal with her vulnerability. So her art is learning how to communicate her vulnerabilities without making him wrong. 
Because when you make a man wrong, then his testosterone goes down, his defensiveness goes up. You see, when men argue, that's defensive. You know, in therapy, we call it defensiveness, but actually it's fear. When you're being, def why would you be defensive if you weren't afraid? That's what defending is, is, is I'm afraid. But he doesn't feel his fear, okay? He doesn't feel his fear, he's just arguing or whatever. But you can know that whenever a man's being defensive, his testosterone's going down. And so to communicate in a way that will raise his testosterone, uh, will make him more peaceful, more heartfelt, more compassionate, more empathetic. And as I'm looking at the two of you pregnant women, I just want to say to all the men listening, I, I just want you to know, men, that how you behave at this time when she's pregnant will always be remembered. <laughs> so, <laughs> good or bad, okay? You get good yeah. points during this time. Uh, and of course, you can always make up for losing points. So it, it just takes longer. But this is when a woman is vulnerable, she needs help, basically. You're, you're pregnant, you can't do it alone, you need help. And it sounds like you have some wonderful husbands who are doing their best. And that that is so key to making a marriage work, okay, is for the woman to feel, I need your help. Now, what's happening for so many women today is, you know, with the advent of feminism, in order to gain equal respect, a lot of women went the direction of, I can be like a man, mm. okay? And I'll get respect because it appeared that men got more respect. And these were women who started that movement who they had dysfunctional fathers. You know, they saw that mom wasn't getting respect and men get respect. So I'm going to become like a man. And yet it led to some really good things. I'm all in favor, for example, my opinion. Women do not have to go back in time and just become homemakers uh, and mothers but it's a big part of life. You can have it all. It doesn't have to be at the same time. Mm. You know, plenty of time to uh, sort of go out and be more independent on your own. Uh, you two women are great examples of mothers. We need mothers in the world today. I don't know if people realize that, but the population of Japan is massively disappearing. Fertility levels are going down. Uh it's the end of a civilization when you can't make babies. So, uh, you know, I salute you. We should all bow to you. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for shining a light on that. I mean, yeah, it's, it's true. And it is something that we, we're going to be going into, just the decline in um, falling birth rates worldwide. It's insane at the moment. So, and something that no one's aware of. So we will be going into that, but we'll, we'll keep this to... Yeah. Well, you know, my my next door neighbor, uh, she went all the way through college to get her uh, degree in, as a doctor. She's a medical doctor. That's a big, big studying. And then uh, she had a child and she quit being a doctor for a while. And all of her friends disowned her. I mean, she was like betrayed them because she was going to enter into motherhood and dedicate herself to a great extent to raising her children, which, you know, when we think about the whole dysfunction in our culture, we look at the amount of huge violence that's going on. And if we look at in the black community, for example, there tends to be more violence, black on black violence. Well, 70% of black boys do not have fathers at home. Hmm. Think about that. And 40% and of white boys and brown boys don't have fathers at home. This is, this is, uh, very, very challenging for a boy to have confidence in himself that I can make a difference and I can make a woman happy. If you don't see your mom, your father making mom happy, 
it's it's a distorted vision of my future. I guess, you know, I'll never be able to be with a woman. And if she's unhappy, I give up. You know, these men today, they can't commit because they, they you know, a woman gets upset about something. Women are like, first of all, women are different emotional creatures. Okay. So they're, they're kind of like a wave going up and down. It's inevitable that at sometimes of your period, you're just going to be happier than at others. <laughs> and there's, there's a dynamic to that. And there's also under moderate stress, this is another biological difference under moderate stress. That's adrenaline, not cortisol. Cortisol is big stress. Moderate stress is adrenaline. Uh, for a woman, when she's in moderate stress, she has eight times more blood flow to the emotional part of the brain. For a man under moderate stress, he has decreased blood flow to the emotional part of the brain. Just take that in for a moment. What a big yeah. difference. Uh, as soon as, you see, she, adrenaline is not a big deal. You know, it's a, a little, life is filled with a lot of little problems. Mm -hmm. And women will have a stronger emotional reaction to those little problems. In her mind, she's not saying it's a big problem. She's just saying, she's just emotional about that. And if she can talk about her emotions, her estrogen levels will go up and her stress level will go down. So this is like a, a magical thing that men don't understand. Now, I didn't have the hormonal understanding of it before. I just, and men are from Mars, I said, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. And one of their peculiar things is they like to talk and it makes them feel better. They can even talk about things that make them feel bad, but then they feel good having talked about it. <laughs> so you, just, you have to accept that, man. If you want your wife to be happy, don't try to finish her sentences. Don't try to interrupt. Don't try to solve her problem. Actually solve the big problem, which is help lower her stress levels by raising her estrogen levels. So if estrogen goes up, it only goes up, particularly when a woman feels safe, and I can depend on someone for something. So, you know, when you're following, listens to two of you in your podcast, for example, and they're listening to you and they feel supported, their estrogen goes up. If, if a woman comes to me for counseling, just coming to me, her estrogen levels will go up because she anticipates being heard. She anticipates being seen. She anticipates being validated. Mm -hmm. And so... When you have that anticipation, your estrogen levels go up. So this anticipation is like amazing because it means that a woman could be at work where she's making mostly testosterone. All the traditional jobs that men have done over the centuries make testosterone. That's why men did them. We like doing dirty, dangerous, difficult, disgusting things. <laughs> and it's, it's as if a long time ago, we all got together and said, okay, men said, women, you're like miracle beings. God loves you, makes babies through you. What can we do to serve God through you? And what, what is it we can do that you don't want to do for yourself? And women said, well, I prefer not doing all the dirty, difficult, dangerous, and disgusting things. <laughs> and, and then men, men said, yay, I'll do that. We're wired up for doing that without complaining. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> exactly. I'm just going to interject. It's I'm, What I'm hearing is that men like to change dirty poo diapers, <laughs> nappies. No, Except no, I don't understand why they complain about it because it sounds like they shouldn't be complaining about it. <laughs> well, that's true. That's the exception. But my, my response to that is at my house, when the diapers need to be changed, 
women would line up to do it. Women <laughs> wanted to do it. Now, if there was this experience in the world that women hated doing diapers, men would say, okay, I'll get in there and do it. It's okay? true. But it's the truth true. is, it's a very nurturing thing to change diapers. Hmm. And I'm a grandfather. And when I babysit, I change diapers. I'm right there. But I also know that my daughter likes to change the diapers. And I know when my wife, Bonnie, we had these diapers to be changed. The, the sisters, you know, the, my other daughters were all going to like, I want to do it. I want to do it. You know? So if, if women were out there saying, look, I do not want to change diapers. You see men lining up to change diapers. No problem. That's so interesting. I think it's true. I'd love to kind of get into how all this translates in those ti- in those years, the early postpartum years and um, when we have young kids, because it kind of feels like in this modern world, when we have children, the villages actually poof, it's nowhere to be seen or we're kind of, we're bringing it back now slowly. Mm. But it feels like what I'm hearing is that women need women and even their men around to hear about all the things that are happening or just kind of like almost offload and mitigate some of that. But it doesn't happen so I feel like, and I feel like what what is happening is that we are relying on our men to be that village of women, to be that support zone, to hear all of our problems, but also to solve all of our problems. And it's a really big recipe, I guess, for pushing down their testosterone levels, which in turn probably creates that well, imbalance well, in the relationship. Well, nicely said. You know, I, I have to say, so I'll, I'll go over and, and spend two and a half hours taking care of my granddaughter. I do that a couple of times a week, right? And when I come home, I take a nap, okay? <laughs> because, <laughs> because there's so much love. When you have a, a baby, there's so much love and nurturing feeling in your heart. That raises a woman's estrogen, which lowers her stress, but also raises a man's estrogen. And estrogen going up does not lower a man's cortisol. It doesn't lower his, doesn't, it makes him feel more love. Okay. But it does push the testosterone down a bit. It's kind of like a seesaw. So I'm spending a lot of time with the the baby. My testosterone goes down. I need cave time to recover. And that's, that's, you know, one of the ideas of men from Mars, which was very helpful for women, particularly, and for men, is that don't take it personally when a man needs to spend alone time, alone time, you know, often men will say, it's my, I just need some space. And women go, what do you need space for? Now, some women understand space. They're like more on their male side. They want space. But, you know, if you're more estrogen in, in your lifestyle, uh, you're wanting connection. See, estrogen is connection. Testosterone is space. It's distance. It's objectivity. It's analysis. It's what makes sense. It's, it's selflessness. All these qualities uh, produce testosterone. They're also masculine qualities, but it's not like a woman shouldn't have masculine qualities. The truth is with all your little children running around, you're the CEO of the house. Mm. You know, you're making testosterone, but you're also making a ton of estrogen because you're so nurturing. And that is the orgasmic state. The orgasmic state is when your estrogen and testosterone levels go way higher together than in any other time. And this is why, you know, when you're looking at your little babies, they're just so precious. You feel fan- you're like in the presence of God. You're in a, a spiritual state because you have your male side that says, I'm responsible for you. And you have your female side that says, I love you so much. 
so that we have, you know, people sometimes get, get it wrong what I'm saying, thinking I'm saying women shouldn't be masculine. Women should be feminine and have a masculine side is what I'm saying. Mm. And according to her personality, you know, some women just don't have the personality to want to get pregnant five times. Uh, I just, uh, I salute it. I just say, this is what the world needs is more feminine energy. And, mm. um, and the two of you have it. And that's really important. And you should know that too much feminine energy can lead to anxiety. Just as, uh, you know, if you look at the uh, his history here, since the thousands of years ago, the Greeks would, would talk about a condition called hysterical, hysterical women. Never and, heard I've never heard it. <laughs> hysterical? No. <laughs> Definitely not during pregnancy. No. <laughs> well, that is too much estrogen. And so hmm. what they found is that hysteria, hysterical women, was only in 25% of the population and only the richest women. Okay. So they had, because part of in ancient days, a status symbol for both the woman and for the man was that my wife doesn't work. So my wife would, doesn't even shop. People do things for her. Everything is done for her. And then you send your little cart, you send your kid off to somebody else to read them, to raise them. And you send them off even to someone to breastfeed them, right? So you don't do anything. That's your status is that I have complete help. I don't do anything for myself. So that's a, you know extreme, but to some extent that was the case. When a woman is not being responsible, solving problems, fixing things, running the house, preparing the meals, whatever whatever her jobs were, working in the garden, working on the farm. Uh, if she didn't have those normal jobs that women would have in those days, uh, then that meant she had no testosterone at all. So she had super high estrogen. Then later in the night, and, and you know, when you hear these stories of of why women were not involved in politics. You know, women would faint and they would, oh, it's too much for me to think about. Well, these are women with really high estrogen and husbands need to realize that pregnant wives have really high estrogen. <laughs> so this is the time to be on your very best behavior. Boy, it will be stop. remembered. <laughs> <laughs> so so we, we come back to in the 1900s, the first uh, medical device invented was the vibrator because women who had hysteria would go to the doctor's office twice a week and be put on the vibrator, a paddle machine that would paddle her clitoris and, and give her an orgasm. Uh, and and that, that, that clitoral stimulation, ironically, is testosterone production. The, she had too much estrogen, and the clitoris tends to produce testosterone, which in sex terms is her desire to have sex. But it's also just her desire. Testosterone, part of us, it's testosterone is, is um, the clitoris produces testosterone. But also when women are feeling kind of stressed in life, one of the things I suggest is go shopping. I mean, it's a superficial thing, but when you're shopping, you're also desiring. It's producing your male side along with your female side. Your female side is what can you carry, so to speak, as I'm thinking of two pregnant women. It's that like you're holding on, holding, hugging, holding. That's sort of a, what do I have in my life? my possessions, my attachments, my children, this is all estrogen stimulating. But to desire more, that's your sort of your male size. So shopping, for example, can be very soothing, particularly for women, uh, because they can look at what I could have, what I could have, and then what do I want to have? Uh, you sort of combining the two things together, which is again, is the alchemy 
Uh, I know that your husband does Taoism. So it, that's what Taoism is all about, which is learning to make love in a way that produces a lot of yang energy. That's the masculine energy and a lot of yin energy, the feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm looking forward to having our conversations about that as well. Uh, but go ahead and ask me another question. So I'm not talking about <laughs> Well, or guess, comment, you know. I guess what would um, be really great, and I and you've alluded to this already, is that like so within our relationships, and especially in this phase of life that we're in, it is so easy for um, for relationships to become dysfunctional because we do have women who are in their really high estrogen, and if our like if our men or partners don't understand why that is and why that's happening and why we're kind of Maybe a little Hysterical. bit more off the rails. Than <laughs> yeah, off the rails is perfectly appropriate. Yeah. You know, if we can stay in a very reality, just overreacting to things, irrational about mm. things. See, rational is your your male side, okay? Mm. And you all have it, but now you're making. You know, God's filling you up here. You you lose your mind. My wife lo- lost her mind. You know, she says, "I'm just having this baby. Some force is taking me over. I can't expect to be logical at this time." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, yeah, if our men don't understand that, it can get taken quite um, personally. Personally, yeah. And I'll just I'll bring a little experience, a funny little story into uh, this, and you know this already, mm. but. Um, we this this pregnancy is a surprise pregnancy for me and my husband because we are or and were practicing Tao, so we were a little confused as to you know <laughs> there's there's a big you know thing that usually happens um, to create a baby oh. that we hadn't <laughs> participated in, so we're like oh. We should, we should clarify for everybody listening: if you're practicing Taoist sex, you're not ejaculating, yeah. and you take ejaculation to make a baby yeah well maybe yeah. maybe you have the holy one <laughs> it's, a miraculous it's a miraculous conception um, yeah and we just were look we're feeling very grateful obviously this baby really wanted in so we're very very happy but yeah um yeah we were practicing and uh dow and um and my husband you know, all was it away takes, oh. all it takes is a little drop even pre-cup <laughs> When that's you practice what I've been like that's how it, it happens, it, love. <laughs> there's a just a little bit of fluid that will come out that's called pre-cum, but it can also have a sperm in it. And evidently it was an eager one. <laughs> really very eager. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we, but we just assumed since with all our other children, we actually had to really call them in. It took a few months of very uh, vigorous calling of in yes (laughs) our children um which was a lot of fun but because of that reason too we were like oh we're we'll be pretty good anyway long story short um my husband was away and he we were having a discussion about something I think the gas had run out here and I was I had because I have four kids to look after when he's away and I was really really stressed out about it um it was late at night and I wanted to run the bath and it's cold water and the kids were screaming and it was just a, a bit of a nightmare and so I called my husband and I explained the situation to him and he he was like well I can't do anything from here and usually I would be quite 
reserved in my response to that. But this time I was really not and I <laughs> let loose and um, hung up on him. And the message I received from him afterwards was maybe take a pregnancy test. <laughs> so um, at, by the fifth pregnancy, he was quite clued in as to how my hormones can affect my um, judgments and reactions <laughs> when right, right. Well, it's very natural. Of- we understand this. Mm-hmm. See, in the past, men not understanding some of the symptoms of hormonal at different times where hormones are dominant, men would say, "Oh, you're just overreacting. Something's wrong with you, or you're crazy, or you're nuts." You know. And part of what Mars Venus does, no, 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 it's not crazy or nuts. It's expressing a need to be able to share what's inside of her to kind of. You know, I, on stage, sometimes I get a woman's purse uh, when the women used to carry big purses. And I say, look at all the things they carry around with them. All they have to do sometimes is just take this out, take this out, take this out, take this out. Then they put it all back in and they're happy. They have to sort of sort it out to gain objectivity to it. They, the male side of you is the objective side. The female side of us is the emotional, not objective. It's just reactive. You're just reacting. Mm-hmm. And But there's things... That, that a woman can say to her husband, because I know you want to help all the women who are pregnant and so forth, how to communicate to their husbands. And it's, it's simply, honey, right now, because I'm pregnant, you're going to think I'm nuts. See, if you say that, then a man stops thinking you're nuts. You're going to explain it. Okay. You're going to say, you know, you're going to think I'm nuts because most of my brain is in my belly right now. Uh, God's making this baby. Mm. So I need you to be very patient with me. And sometimes I'm going to express myself. The best thing to do, because I know you love me and you care about me, is don't say anything. Just don't say anything. Just ask these three questions. Well, help me understand that better. Tell me more. And what else? And don't don't get frustrated. Just know you're helping me by letting me sort of express what I feel without somebody judging me as something's wrong with me. So you can tell a man that. You can tell him that again and again and again. Mm-hmm. You can put a sticker on the on the on the mirror in the bathroom that says "Don't speak." Okay, That's, I still have it. Okay, which <laughs> when she's when she's needing to talk, she and emotions are there. Emotions are not always rational. And we need to just embrace that's the way we're particularly during pregnancy. And if not during pregnancy, then even still, emotionals are not necessarily irrational, are not necessarily rational. What I've found is that when you're emotional, if you're not out of balance and you're, you know, think of us walking on a tight rope in life, trying to find our balance of who we are as opposed to who we're not. And, you know, let's say somebody's critical of me and I feel bad. Well, now I've forgotten who I am. Who I am is amazing. So I've sort of been tipped over and I've been tipped over by life stresses. We, we tip over. So in that, in that dance, if you're in balance, you'll be logical and emotional at the same time, then all of your emotions are positive. See, that's how I look at it. Anytime that emotions are negative, we're just tipped off, tipped off one way or the other. And if a man has negative emotions, what he needs to do is stop talking and take time to rebuild his testosterone. That's cave time. 
And cave time can be productive cave time or unproductive. If you went in your cave time, uh, it's to rebuild your testosterone with a hobby or a challenge or work that doesn't cause any stress. And it's not so personal. It's more impersonal activities, maybe playing tennis with a friend, you know, competing, something like that. This is cave time to rebuild testosterone. The opposite is primarily needed by women when they're experiencing stress, stressful emotions, okay? And what she needs to do is talk. Remember I said men stop talking for women to talk. If you talk, what you're being is vulnerable. You're revealing what's inside of you. And the more vulnerable you can be as you share yourself. See, you're opening a doorway and now a man can enter in and you're letting him come in. That will actually make him a more wonderful man. So if a woman can talk, I think we made the point when you're talking, you're being somewhat vulnerable because now somebody can poke at you because you revealed who you are. There's no mask up, you know, just keep my wall up. You don't know what I'm thinking and feeling. You can't hurt me. Well, now I'm going to open up to what I'm thinking and feeling. So if you just say, oh, you're being overreacted, you're a bitch, you're selfish, you know, you're complaining too much, that would be devastating. So, and if ever a man was to do that, you should immediately, and this is part of training a man, even comes close to the things I just said, you just say, you're being mean and walk out of the room. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I'm, I had to be trained for many, many years. Anytime I started to get angry at all, my wife would just say, you're being mean and turn around and walk out. And I, I, I say, oh, no, no, I can be nice. So I can, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you can see I can be more heartfelt now. <laughs> but see, you have the power. If But if she was to say, don't talk to me that way, why shouldn't I talk? You know, that's argumentative as opposed to, look, you're being mean. I'm out of the, just matter of fact, you're being mean. I don't want to hear it out of the room. Yeah. So I think maybe a really good point just to highlight here is that if we are, if we are being vulnerable and we're sharing how we're feeling and getting those like thoughts out of our heads and trying to process them that first we're not criticizing our men when we're doing it like it's not a complaining session but more a how of my feeling session and then um which hopefully would be received a bit better too by our men and then they're hopefully they're not feeling or taking on board anything that shouldn't be taken on board and get well, here's how you can do that. Okay. Yeah. You said, hopefully not criticizing him. The, the first thing is telling him it's just, I just need to talk about my feelings and it's not about you. And it's, here's the big phrase and it's not a big deal. Men can hear even complaining. If you say it's not a big deal. Another approach is, to train your man to listen. See, we have no training in this. When, when did men listen to women? Okay, we never listened to women. We don't know anything about this. What, look, I went out and I made money. That was enough. My father made money. He was a, came home and didn't talk about anything, watched TV. My mother was totally happy. I mean, really, she was happy because she got what she wanted out of a marriage. She got a provider, somebody who made her feel safe, somebody who never got mad at her. My gosh. And she could say to her six boys, if you don't listen to me, I'll tell your father. That was it. He was the policeman. He was the provider. The major role of males throughout time, provide and provide safety and security. Okay, this is <laughs> this is all men. That was enough. Now suddenly women want to be able to talk about their feelings because, and you, you both hit on it, you don't have a, a community of women around you 
to talk all the time with, to share with. You know, I was in Bali in my hotel. I watched maybe like 15 women walking down to the river to do laundry and they're all talking. The kids are, the whole village is there. You know, she's got her support. Whenever women are surrounded by other women who are helping her as she's helping them, the estrogen levels go up. Estrogen goes up when you feel I can depend on others, when I have help. Estrogen goes down when you feel I have to do it myself. What happens when I have to do it myself, testosterone gets produced. So for me, I, I'm, I'm a man, I, you know, I'm, I'm a successful guy because I know I have to do it myself. Okay, that's my priority thing. You know, I've written all these books behind me. It, there, I did it, you know, and, and I feel good about that. I can do that. I will do that. I've done that. These are like, like all of the little, see these military guys, they have all these little coins on them, little awards. See what I can do. See what I, so for men, self-esteem, it's about, look what I've done. Look what I've overcome. Look what I've accomplished. Look what I've done. So that's testosterone going up. I can do that myself. But for women, you can say the same thing. I did this myself. Your testosterone goes up, but it doesn't lower your stress. What lowers your stress is to talk about <laughs> your complaining, your problems, or expressing love and appreciation and asking for help. Now, those are, those are the high things you can do. So many women are afraid to ask for help. Your mother didn't have to ask for help. She already picked a man who, if he does his job, then I don't have to ask for more. See, my mother never asked my dad for much that I saw at least, because uh, he was a good provider. He would say, you know, take care of the kids and very little needing to be vulnerable in that sense. She was already vulnerable because she couldn't earn a living. See, in, in a culture where women can't earn a living, they're very vulnerable. I need a man. Today, modern women go, what do I need a man for? Mm. Uh, you know, I got karate classes. Uh, I, got, uh, <laughs> I got my own job. I got my own career. And uh, what do I need him for? Well, what you need him for is once you can provide for yourself, so to speak, as Maslow would say, in terms of hierarchy needs, another need kicks into gear. And that need automatically kicks into gear when you're pregnant. There's no question about it. And that need is for emotional support, a man to provide the emotional support you need to get through this. And this is every woman in her life. When she's on her male side, she needs a kind of emotional support to bring her back to her female side. The female side is the estrogen side. And what, what makes estrogen more than anything in my experience of working with women is getting them to share what's inside of them to a person who's not judging them in any way, but has caring, genuine caring. And you have a husband who genuinely cares, but nobody's taught him how to listen. He'll only take it personally. I mean, you said it, how to share your feelings without a man feeling criticized. Well, there's an art to that. Uh, you have to, here's a, a million dollar phrase that we could end today. If you just did this one phrase, which is, honey, I want to talk for a few minutes, but it's not a big deal. You could even say, honey, it's not a big deal. I just need to talk for a few minutes and his blood pressure won't go up. As soon as you say to a man, I need to talk. Oh my gosh. Blood pressure is up. Defenses are up. <laughs> stress levels are high. So it's just simply, honey, it's not a big deal, but I just want to talk for a few minutes. You know, I'm, and being a pregnant woman, you can say, you know, and I'm pregnant. So a lot of irrational feelings are coming up and I just need to express them and then I'll feel good. Yeah. Would you just listen and seek to understand, but not solve anything? 
So you have to ask for what you want, which is, I don't need your help to fix me in any way. I just need to feel nurtured by you that you listen to me and say nothing. Okay, now you have to be like, and I know part of you wants them to say stuff, but we're, we're talking about <laughs> learning how to listen first, okay? We're not talking about how he can talk to you. Mm. We're talking, the most important thing for a woman is to feel I can share what's inside of me and he can hear it. Now, hearing it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to change. A lot of women think, well, if you don't change, then you didn't hear it. Okay, first step is get him to hear it. So you can say things like, I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm, I'm not asking you to fix anything. I'm not asking you to change your behavior in any way because I know, you know you're doing the best you can. But I just want to share what's going on inside of me. And it will change as I'm talking. See, men don't understand that. They can't even comprehend that you can go from 50 complaints to zero <laughs> without the world changing outside of you. Yeah. Like a woman, woman can come into counseling with me and come in with all these complaints. And as I'm helping her process her emotions and feelings, she feels fine and goes out. Nothing has changed in her life. I didn't give her any suggestions, any solutions, nothing new to try. Yeah. She just feels oh better. God. I can and, relate to that yeah, so much. <laughs> like we'll just talk to each other. I'll have like my world is falling apart and I'll just get on the phone to Chloe and be like, oh, blah, 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 blah. and then after about what, 10, 15 minutes of just verbal diarrhea into your ear I feel better and I forget but even like I do it to Brenton all the time I'll (laughs) ramble off a whole bunch of complaints and problems without without saying you don't have to worry about this (laughs) and because he's so pragmatic if I've said I hate that the laundry's downstairs I have to do so much laundry he's like in his he's like oh I'll buy a new house then I'm like "No, no 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 and then he's like and then I'm like oh I'm good now like I just feel like I processed all of that and he's just like I have to buy a new house. I have to do this. I have to do this. She doesn't like that. She doesn't do this. I have to change everything. And then I'm like, oh, no, don't worry about it. And he's like, you are a psycho. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're a woman and you're not psychotic. (laughs) You you need estrogen in your life. Hear that, Brenton? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just a woman, not psycho. (laughs) Well, a lot of women would take offense at some of these things. They think that's that's not me at all. Mm -hmm. And what I'm trying to do for those women Israel, that is you. There's a part of you which is there. It's just that you're feminine enough to share that and be open to that. So many women would feel that they were unlovable if they were to share what's inside of them. They're mm-hmm. so afraid of that. You know, you can grow up with a lot of brothers or a father who doesn't listen to a mother. And if you were to share those feelings, well, I was just talking to a woman today and she says, you know, honey, you just got to suck it up. You know, you got to suck it up. You know, these are tough times. You no, know, that's what you can say to a man. Okay, suck it up. I don't want to hear what you're feeling. <laughs> it, and, and, you know, men, some men are becoming like women. They come home and they want to talk about their feelings and talk about their problems and complain about their life. Mm-hmm. And they don't know how disgusting that is to women. And often women <laughs> feel guilty feeling disgusted by that. But no, he's becoming the woman. There's, there's a place of yin energy, yang energy. Yin energy is the part of us which is receptive. Mm. So what's making me feel good? What's not making me feel good? Talking about that is going to produce estrogen. What I do that's successful and what I do that's not successful either raises my testosterone or lowers my testosterone. For men, it's always about doing. John, how would we translate this into the bedroom? Because we've we've gone through yet the things that we can do and how we can approach certain situations. Okay. So we're going to talk about foreplay to the bedroom, first of all. (laughs) Perfect. Okay. I start, I started talking about 
at the beginning, vulnerability is what raises testosterone in men. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> Bonnie used to say to me for years in the beginning of our marriage, I just, I just need reassurance. I need reassurance. And I said, well, look, honey, look, I, I'm married to you. I'm monogamous to you. I make money. Well, what more do you want? Okay. I couldn't understand it as a man, what reassurance meant. And, you know, she said, well, like when you plan a date, that reassures me that I'm still beautiful. I'm still important to you, whatever. And I went, okay, all right, I'll start doing that more. And, and then if, if she would be upset about things, if I didn't get angry, that reassures her that it's safe for her to talk. Okay. Eventually, that's, those are okay beginnings. But the, you know, my message has evolved over time. I've written all these books. Now this one on hormones, which is called Beyond Mars and Venus. When we don't have the traditional roles, then are we live in a non-traditional world. Our needs have changed. So anyway, so this technique is one called the reassurance technique. It's prior to getting into the bedroom. It's just be done many times for every woman a week. If you're pregnant, every day, if not three times a day, is seek reassurance. Okay. So like something Bonnie said to me when she's pregnant, are you still attracted to me? Of course I'm attracted to you, honey. I love you. But don't I look fat? I said, honey, I love you. And I was our little baby here. I so much love you. See, if you, that's called revealing vulnerability. Okay, because all women think when they're pregnant, am I, do you still attracted to me? Is this beautiful to me? It's most beautiful, but you need to hear, even if you know I'm beautiful, still, even if you know, you still require reassurance. We all are looking for reassurance. And when I give a talk, I give a nice talk. Audiences love me. They sell out. So I know I'm successful and, and they can clap. They're very nice. I feel good. But if they stand up and clap, quite loud, I feel better, right? It's like, that's the point of a marriage is not just to feel good, but to feel better. Uh, and so you can explain to your husbands, you can say for this reassurance process, I know you love me. I know you do anything for me. I know that you're attracted to me. I know I'm beautiful to you, but I have my own insecurities and they seem to come up because you're a diamond. You're so amazing. <laughs> so if you were to go out into the world wearing your best diamonds, you're going to feel afraid somebody's going to steal them. Well, now I have this amazing husband. It's a part of me is it triggers how, the, how so good you are. <laughs> the more it triggers my insecurities. And I know you love me and everything. But if I can share those insecurities and you can just give me reassurance immediately, it's like a standing ovation. So men will logically understand that. Then here's the practice and you have to overcome your resistance to it. But you say to him, honey, do you love me? And he'll say, always say, yes, I love you. How much do you love me? He says, oh, I love you with all my heart. And you can help him with phrases that you'd like to hear. But you can say, how much do you love me? And do you love working hard while I'm making the baby at home? He says, yes, I love working hard. Do you still think I'm beautiful? honey, you are so beautiful to me. Do you always want, are you, do you regret being married to me? Honey, I'm so lucky. Do you feel lucky to be married to me? Absolutely. See, you have to say these things. And I promise you, every man will feel, will love you more because he has so much love inside of him. But for you to say those things to him is very vulnerable. Mm. 
I take, I, you know, I have to make my clients do it. The women just won't do it because they're so afraid. They'll do it when I ask them to do it, but they're so afraid. If I was to say, do you still think I'm beautiful? Well, honey, you have put on a few pounds, you know, where you are pregnant. You know, I haven't seen your ankles in a while. <laughs> terrified of saying something like that. And, and, and it, cause it is being vulnerable. Now, why being vulnerable? Think about when you look at a young man and the beginning of a relationship, whatever, as you start to reveal more of your naked body to him, he gets turned on, right? I mean, this is the simplest male-female thing. Woman shows more skin, guy gets turned on. This is biology. Well, when she shows more skin, what is she doing? She's being vulnerable. She's showing you what she doesn't show anybody else because she feels safe with you. She feels seen and loved by you. She feels I can reveal myself and you're not going to be judgmental of me. And that's a really wonderful thing. Just the fact that when you're being vulnerable, men are not judgmental. It's amazing. When uh, just to share for the women to understand is your bodies are changing during pregnancy. And uh, it's not your body so much as the vulnerability that turns a man on and makes him interested and attracted to you. The so, you know, this is back in the day. I'm a young guy. I'm 35 years old. First few years of my marriage with my wife, Bonnie. And we're going to lingerie store. You know, we're going to go pick out some lingerie. You know, I'm going with my wife. We're going to pick out some sexy lingerie. Okay, so we're going in. And as soon as we're going into the, the, the store, there's this poster of a woman wearing a purple bra and purple panties. Okay, with a little lace around with her. I say, honey, let's get that. And she, she, she says... John, that's not my body. I said, no, no, that's your body. That's your body. She said, no, that's not my body. That That's not my, it won't fit me right. I said, no, no, honey, that's your body. So anyway, so we went and she bought something and I don't remember that part of it. All I remember is that night when she was naked, I looked at her and went, oh, she's right. That's not that body. <laughs> 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 and, and then I let it go because I love her. Okay. When a man's aroused, he can only see the good. Okay. It's like women, you look in the mirror, you see these little tiny lines on your face. You see all the men don't see any of that stuff. We're turned on to vulnerability. And I'm telling you this most powerful technique, not only creates attraction and great sex, but it's also helps a man feel connected to you. Because you have to let down the walls. And if you have to look at what am I afraid to share with him and what you're afraid to share, certainly if you think he's a jerk, you'd be afraid to share that and don't. Okay. But if you're, but what you're afraid to share, and often why women want to get men to talk. Okay. Because some women say, oh, I need him to talk. Well, that's because she's afraid he's angry with her. She's afraid he's not, he's mad at her. She's afraid that he doesn't want to be with her. She's afraid that she made a mistake and now he's pulling away. But see, men, whenever they have to think hard about something, they disconnect from their emotions. We're not like you. You can think hard and be emotional at the same time. Uh, you can think all oh, that your brain is so busy, busy, busy. We can go blank, just mulling over one thing. And it's like an old computer. Boom, 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 You know, we're not even thinking. They did a study at Harvard, showed that when women sit down and relax, their brain speeds up. When men sit down, relax, their brain stops. I mean, it goes way down. We're not thinking anything, but when we disconnect to think about one thing, you'll feel us disconnecting. And again, a tool you can use at that time to feel connection rather than what are you feeling? You just simply say, you're thinking about it, aren't you? 
And he'll go, yes, with a big smile. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. Then you'll get the reassurance you need. But you have to ask for this reassurance. See, this is the this is your side of the picture here, because particularly when you're pregnant, you're already more vulnerable. Okay, so this is where you need reassurance the most. Uh, you need to have him hug you at least four times a day. Okay, so this is like you say to him, "Look, I'm pregnant. I need lots of reassurance at this time. I, my confidence is low. Uh, you know, I'm not as beautiful as I normally am. I'm a little bit crazy." So I need a lot of reassurance that you love me. If you say that, you see how disarming that is to a man who loves you. He's not going to use it against you. See, that's the fear. If I say uh, I'm being irrational, that you're going to come back and say, oh, you're just being irrational. Mm. And if ever he was to do that, you immediately go, oh, walk out of the room. You're being mean. Uh, why should I ever talk to you? And just go out. Don't women have to learn you are the gatekeeper. You are the gatekeeper. You can't let him in if he's not. If it doesn't earn his way in. But now we're talking about the bedroom. Want to move on to that? Yes. Please. Okay. So tell me what question you want me to answer. I've written a whole book on the bedroom. Now is probably a good time. Pardon? Well, yeah, we might go into um, Dow. So me and my husband have been practicing this. And I think um, it's something that's, you know, I, I would have thought a lot of people in the area that we live in would be privy to, but a lot of people are like when, you know, when I mentioned that my husband doesn't ejaculate um, or, you know, when we were practising quite regularly, it was only once a month, people like, but then what, what, how, what, what do you, <laughs> how does it end? What, like, what do you mean he doesn't ejaculate? I'm like, well, you can actually ejaculate with, I mean, um, reach orgasm without ejaculation. And yeah, and then I, I can't really explain much more than that because. Well, you can't. You can't. This is out of everybody's thing. I'm yeah. 72 years old. I've been practicing my whole marriage on and off. But then once my kids are gone, I do it all the time. The, as a man, I'm 72 years old. My testosterone levels are 50% higher than when I was a young man. And that's why I'm just sitting around doing nothing. And sex, I don't know what they are, but they're completely off the chart. Way more than anything I was as a young man. And that's because I practice making love without ejaculating. And you have a different kind of orgasm. It's not an orgasm that stops you. It's being one way of putting it is kind of particularly for the beginner is you become orgasmic. You give up any goal uh, to have an orgasm and you just simply become orgasmic. And I suggest this to all women who feel like you can't have an orgasm, forget about it. What you want to do is enjoy making love and orgasms. You become orgasmic, you know, to end or, orgasm kind of implies you're done. I call it uh, for a woman, a climax. A climax is you're, you intensify and a spasm occurs and it, it, it releases the tension and it feels fantastic. There's no question about it. You build up the tension, you release it, feels great. Mm -hmm. There's another where you build a higher level of pleasure, it settles down and a higher level of pleasure and it settles down and just sort of wells up inside to keep going. And then it settles down a little bit and wells up again. And then it just... Boom, 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 until she's done. And your your penis as a man is if if you know if you're doing it like let's say beyond 30 minutes, usually at that point, your penis actually comes out about an inch more. Any man can push behind his penis on the top. You can feel the erection inside, but it doesn't fully come out until you've been going for a good 
20, 30 minutes. And then it's just like a young man. It doesn't ever get old. It just gets stronger. But, you know, it, it's not something I can explain how people can do this. Your husband is very fortunate. He's learned to do this. This is an art. But I will say for whether you're ejaculating or not, uh, when a man doesn't ejaculate, then he's always in the mood. Okay, he's not demanding it. He's not addicted. Most men are addicted to ejaculation. That's when they get all horny. Uh, I got to have it. I got to have it. Then suddenly he's like a, a needy person for sex, which is ultimately a turnoff to a woman. But he's like, uh, anytime I'm available and, <laughs> and he doesn't have to have it or he can't have it. Uh, but the, the equipment's all working. It never goes away. And there's a, there's books written on this. I can't give it all in a little couple of minutes. But anyway, Taoist sex is the, is the best. I don't even call it Taoist sex. I just call it making love without it, without uh, being goal-oriented, non-goal-oriented making love. And the best thing you can do when you're making love, whether you never try to have an orgasm, women who don't have orgasms are trying to have orgasms. That's why it's not a process of trying anything. Arousal is automatic. You kiss each other, you love each other, your body sort of takes over. Don't ever try to stimulate. Just go to the breast, enjoy that, and then go to the clit, then go to the vagina. All that is a natural unfoldment of her estrogen levels going higher and higher and higher. And anything you do to try is going to produce testosterone and lower your estrogen. So give up trying, give up wondering if they have an orgasm or not. Enjoy the process and you will become more and more orgasmic. For men, it's all about goal orientation. Your goal is to not ejaculate. Your goal is to feel more love, to let go of the need for pleasure and convert it into the need to give love. You see, pleasure, sex is so important to men because when you feel pleasure, you have no resistance. And when you have no resistance, you can feel more. When you can feel more, you can feel the love in your heart more. So the whole point of it is making love, not having sex. Sex is a doorway to feel more love. And I only have a couple minutes, but this is the best technique while you're not just outside the bedroom, but inside the bedroom for a woman to repeatedly basically say, do you love me? How much do you love me? Do you think I'm beautiful? Are you happy married to me? Am I the only one for you? Mm. Are you so happy with me? You have to say those things and let him know when he, because he responds later on. He's like, that just felt so good. It was so helpful. It helped me open up. And we need to do that again and again and again. He'll never get tired of it. Just like you'll ne get, never get tired of him saying, I love you or you're beautiful. And he doesn't get tired of, you know, seeing you being happy. So this is the, this is something new you can bring into your bedroom and it will definitely increase the hormones. So that's my, that's all I can share today. It sounds like we need to have a couple more conversations. Yeah, <laughs> I know we really, we really got, um, the other thing for women who are pregnant, just to know you're making a baby and he's going to take, or he or she will take your omega-3, lots of salmon, lots of omega-3 supplementation during this time. Cause that's one of my main reasons for postpartum depression is the omega-3 deficiency that occurs because you got a smart kid in there and they need your omega-3 and you mm -hmm. give it up. So make sure to replenish with, with um, organic fish, whatever that is where you are. <laughs> you don't want to store <laughs> the bad stuff, but, but also just good supplements for omega-3, however you can get them. It's very, very important for postpartum. All right, ladies, Amazing. good talking. Thank you so Thanks much so for much, coming John. on, John. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thanks for tuning in to the Road to Wisdom podcast. To join the journey, you can follow us on Instagram at theroadtowisdom.podcast and at www.theroadtowisdom.podcast.
the Road to Wisdom Podcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. We look forward to seeing you next week with more juicy content.